How did they know for sure that God had told them to do what they were doing? The disciples of Jesus have been transformed into apostles and now sent into the world. And they seem to know for sure that God has told them to do what they are doing. But they had it easy, didn't they? They walked with Jesus. They heard Jesus speak. They listened to his parables. They saw his emotion. They heard his anger, his love, his patience, his wisdom. Jesus even tells them at one point, you are witnesses. You've seen all of these things. It's easy for them to know. Now, since Easter morning, they've experienced some pretty amazing things that have spurred them into worldwide mission, something that God indeed had called them to do. And it's a good thing they knew God told them to do this, because it doesn't take long for their mission to hit its first obstacle. After a few pe- preaching rounds, the apostles have been brought before the high priest. Now, I want you to imagine getting a call from the CEO. Or being sent to the principal's office. Some of you know more about that than others. As you sit there across this huge desk, you know you aren't here for anything good. You know you've done it now. Likewise, the apostles have been arrested and are brought before the high priest and those who are with him to find out what they have done. As they stand there, waiting. Well, Mr. High Priest, um, either you brought us here because there's 5,000 people now following us, or you're upset because we healed some guy. Either way, we want you to know, we're just doing what God told us. Perhaps you can see the snarls on their face, the smirks they give. Maybe you can hear the condemnation, the anger, the frustration. Maybe even a bit of jealousy in their voice when they say, God told you? Well, let me tell you, you are not to speak of or even to mention this name of Jesus ever again. Well, the high priests, you see, they didn't really know the disciples all that well. They didn't know that those disciples weren't real good at following instructions. Because it doesn't take but one chapter before the apostles get back to their usual business now of teaching and healing, and just that quickly, they're back in the office again. We gave you strict orders to stop. Why can't you do as you're told? Anybody ever hear that growing up? Now, for a band of misfits, for a band of uh, a group of people whom others considered nobodies, the words they give in response to this persecution are striking. Their words can rally the troops 
and bring an empire to its knees. You can imagine as they say these words, there's people that are with them in the background thinking, Amen! Just stick it to them! You did it. In the face of their persecution, they say, Look, I've already told you. We have to listen to God and not people. We have to do what God has called us to do and not what you have told us to do. Now, I'm glad they knew what God wanted them to do. I'm glad they were bold enough to stand for the name of Christ in the face of persecution. In a few more verses, if we kept reading, you would hear that they were to be flogged, just like Jesus was before. And I'm glad that they had faith enough, courage enough, to continue with their calling. And I'm glad that their work has brought all of us, all these years later, to this very moment in the life of God's church. I'm glad because as we think about their courage, their faith, we have to ask ourselves that all-important question. How do we know when God has told us to do something? You see, we haven't seen the face of Jesus. Once in a while, somebody will come up and talk about a chip or a stain in the wall or a tortilla, but we haven't seen the face of Jesus. We haven't heard his words. We haven't seen him put mud on some guy's eyes and cure him of his blindness. We haven't known Jesus the way his disciples did. Yet, we still believe. Yet, week after week, we come so that we can understand what it means to be faithful to him. We still, even though we're at a great disadvantage with the apostles who saw and walked with Jesus, we are still here because we feel like we need to know what it is Christ wants us to know. Even though we've never seen it. When Thomas had to see the scars in Jesus' hands, do you remember what Jesus told him as he showed him? Jesus said to Thomas, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Those are the words written in John's story about Jesus, but I think they help us answer the question that we're asking today. And the answer, in part, is in the words that Jesus has already told us before. Jesus tells Thomas, Blessed are those who haven't seen Blessed. What does that word mean to you? What does it mean when you talk about blessings or being blessed or being blessed beyond belief? Even In one sense of the word, there's an idea of happiness. Blessed are those or happy are those. It's fair to suggest, I think, to say that we as people like things. We like things. Things make us happy. So when we say, God blessed me with this car, or with this house, or with this job, or with this fill in your blank, what we're saying is, these things make us happy. And we want to give God credit for it. That's fine. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's what we do. If it's happy, we call it a blessing. Nobody ever says, oh, I thank God for this 
disease I have or for this debt that I have. Why? Because those things don't make us happy. Y'all with me? So in one sense of the word, blessed means happy. But there's another idea as well. It's the Greek word, makarios. And it differs from being happy in that it has nothing to do with things, but it has everything to do with God. One definition of the word states that to be makarios, to be blessed, is equivalent to having God's kingdom within one's heart. The one who is blessed finds their joy not from favorable, favorable circumstances, but only from God. Only from God. Jesus was teaching once when a woman interrupted him. She raised her voice and said to him, Blessed, Macarius, is the womb that bore you, Jesus. Jesus responded, Macarius, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey. Blessed are those who hear and do. It's a good thing Jesus didn't say, Blessed are those who hear my voice and know how tall I am. Who can pick my face out in a crowd. No. Blessed are those who hear and do. But there it is again. It's easy to say that those who hear and do are blessed, but how do you know that what you're hearing... Contrary to popular belief, the main ingredient, I think, for a successful sermon is not always how short it is. It's thought that Jesus' sermon on the plain in the book of Luke is Matthew's sermon on the mount, where Jesus lays out the basic tenets of the kingdom of God that he is trying to build. Now, there's a word in that sermon that is fitting for us today. Guess what word it is? Blessed. Now, we learn from that sermon of Jesus, what we learn from that sermon is that God's kingdom is not like anything we've ever seen. It doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't register right with us. It's totally opposite of any kind of kingdom you and I would build. Blessed are those who are poor, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, pure in heart, Blessed are the peacemaker. Blessed are those who are persecuted. But there it is. There it is in that sermon. How do we know when it's God who has told us to do something? When it conforms to the kingdom that Jesus portrayed. You might say, how do we know when it's God telling us to do it? When it doesn't make sense. When it's not comfortable. You think those apostles were comfortable in the position they were? No. When it conforms to the kingdom that God is building. Does your decision, the one you're thinking about, or the one you're being given, does your decision have anything to do with helping those who are poor or poor in the spirit? Does it have anything to do with those who are merciful? Are you being merciful in your decision? Is it related to righteousness at all? Is what you are thinking about bringing peace at all? 
So we have to realize that there have been a lot of things done in the name of God that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. History is full of examples. Those are the kind of things that when they happen, they scar our faith and they leave a bitter taste in the mouth of those who are watching. And what you and I have to realize is that we may not live on a global scale, but in our lives the same can be said for those decisions that we make without even thinking about what God's will is for it. Without even thinking about is it, if this is what God is wanting me to do. It's that time we went with whatever it was just because it felt good or it was convenient or it worked out for me or I was comfortable or everyone else was saying, go for it. What is God calling us to do? What kind of kingdom is God calling us to build? See, these brave apostles are now standing on trial in front of the high priest and they are boldly standing firm in their faith of the risen Christ. But you've got to remember, an important part of their story is that they were not always like that. Had they been on trial before, I think they would have said, okay, whatever you say, high priest, I'll stop teaching, I'll go elsewhere. But not anymore. Before they used to wonder what Jesus could get them, they used to have their own interest in mind, They were more worried about who was the greatest among themselves. They were worried about who had the greatest position. They were more concerned with taking care of their enemies and they were building the kingdom that Jesus was teaching them about. But, something happened. They learned that when people follow their own understanding, that when people seek out their own will, And that when people seek to obey others over God, people suffer and saviors are crucified. They learned that following God is always more faithful than following other people. Now thank God they learned that because through their faithfulness, you and I are here today. If it had been up to the high priest, they wouldn't have been able to quiet those apostles and nobody would have ever heard from them since. But guess what? Here we are. You just wait until you see, until you begin to see the things that will happen as well when you are faithful to God the same way. Wait till you see what God is able to do through your faithfulness to And friends, when you wonder how it is that God can take people like the disciples, that God can take people like me or people like you and do great things with them, or when you, when you start to think about just how it is we are blessed, blame the resurrection. The resurrection is our new life and shows us God's kingdom. Let's pray. Oh God, we are here this morning as your people. Whether we realize it or not, whether we've thought about it 
or cared about it or not. We are loved by you. And so, God, as we come together in that love, we ask that what you have taught us through your words and through your resurrection would begin to shape in us a new people that you will use to bring your kingdom, God, here into our community and around your world. God, use us as we seek out your will, as we figure out what it is you are calling us to do. Use us, God, for the great work you have before us. In Jesus' name, amen.